This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 402 for Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Stephen ESC is back. You can find him at Stephen ESC on all the social media that matters. That includes Twitch, where you can find him streaming Minecraft. And you're working on a stair monument the last time I swung by your stream. How are things going, man? Doing well, thanks. Pleasure to be here, as always. I, it's always um, fun now at the top of the month to to bring you back on because for those that don't know, you live down the street. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, and um, this is probably the most that we've been able to talk this the last few months here in 2021 uh, compared to 2020. Where I mean, we text now oh and again, goodness. but like to to speak in person or as close to in person as you can these days, uh, this has probably been, I say, the most that we've had the opportunity to chat in a little while. For sure. And uh, I want to give a shout out and thank you to all of the patrons. It is the uh, the first week of the month, which means that it's payday. Uh, you keep us on the air, so to speak. Giant air quotes, because I know it's the internet. But uh, Patreon has rolled over and uh, the folks that support us get bonus tracks. Steven and I did a bonus track this, this past month in April. We d- talked about razors and stuff. Uh, and I'm hoping to do more of that. So if you'd like to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash the Sigil Cafe join at any level you get access to the discord you get uh, a bunch of other perks you can explore there on the page and uh, you can walk around with your chest held high knowing that you're supporting an independent podcast and i very much appreciate it um what have you been up to man what's new oh honestly not too too much just been busy with busier with work than usual so tired most evenings but just uh if not relaxing streaming that's that said we had a, an amazingly fun morning the other day where our indoor cat decided to try life as an outdoor cat. Uh, <laughs> she's uh, she's very stealthy because she can't meow. And we, we did have a collar with a bell on her when we first got her, but she, she kept being able to get her lower jaw underneath it, trying to pull it off, but she got stuck that way. So we had to just take it off her. So she's this super quiet cat. And has only ever tried to get out once before. And she managed to sneak out when my wife was uh, talking to a um, supplier, or not supplier, but uh, a contractor outside. Okay. And and I was upstairs working and I just heard, the cat got out. And then, of course, everything stopped. Go outside, try to get her. Um, She went across the street and hid out underneath a neighbor's shed. But thankfully, it was only about a half hour we were able to get her back. Last time was a lot longer. So, Oh, this is not the first time. No, only the second, thankfully. It's uh I think I would lose my mind if it happened <laughs> on a regular basis. Yeah. I I it's I, I live in a building that allows cats and I see many in the windows and obviously they don't go outside at all because for anybody on my floor it's a couple floors up, like you there'd be no chance for them to actually go outside. Or if they do, I I guess maybe the balconies are on the other side of the building. I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Um but in all of my experiences with cats, which have been limited, um, 
I've never met one that couldn't meow. And I've always thought to myself, man, I would not want a cat that would just meow and beg at like, you know, 530 in the morning or whatever time it wants to be fed. Um, I know dogs do the same thing. I'm not naive to that, but I feel like dogs are more consistent with the timing, (laughs) whereas cats just kind of like on their whim seem to just decide to (laughs) make all kinds of noise. So out of curiosity, like how does your cat let you know it's like time to be fed or time to be patted or anything like that? Well, we have, she's not a super affectionate cat, so she doesn't really go out of her way to say, you know, pet me, I want lovings and stuff like that. Um, When she, like the rare times that she does, it's, (laughs) it's funny. She's not always the most graceful, but she'll just walk along and then she just falls over. Sometimes she can slink over to the side and roll over and basically lay over, uh, lie down and sort of prone with her belly up and you can, it's an invitation to come and rub her belly. But sometimes she just, it's like she got hit with a tranquilizer dart and she just falls to the side and <laughs> thud on the ground. Like, all right, I'll give you some pets after that because that sounded like it hurt. <laughs> but sometimes I feel bad because I could be washing the dishes and not really know she's behind me. And I just turn around and I can see her with her eyes closed and her mouth open. Like, it's almost like she's been meowing at the top of her lungs in her mind. And I don't know how long she's been there doing it. So I feel so bad. But right. um, yeah, in the morning when she wants us to wake up, she's she has a very loud purr. Mm. so she'll come up on her bed and she'll she'll like she'll poke me with her paw and purr really loud yeah 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 i've had that happen before just at a friend's place where the cat decides i like you and i'm gonna come over and like poke you and (laughs) purr which sucks because i'm allergic to cats and it's oh it's it's bad like i can't i can't really be in in a house that has a cat 10 15 minutes and my eyes are swelling up and i'm just i'm miserable i really i really Mm -hmm. don't like the experience and i think as of just having a lifetime allergy it's just kind of tuned me to like i just don't like being around cats because i just i have that reaction right um yeah well well, my wife's actually allergic and um this is our second cat as a family and both of them have been long hair cats mm -hmm. and she's had no reaction to picking them up and like rubbing their faces and stuff like that. But if, if they sort of scratch her at all, it's almost like there's something in their claws that kind of gets under her skin and just oh. burns and itches like crazy. But wow, we're able to, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm much more of a dog person and unfortunately I don't live in a building that allows dogs. I wish they did. Mm. Uh, cause I would have, um, responsibly not, I feel like there's an awful lot of people right now getting puppies and I don't know if they're all really aware of what they're getting into. And I say that as a non-dog owner, only knowing people that have dogs. Um, but I just see an awful lot of people and I'm just like, really? You're, you're getting a dog too? Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it's springtime. So like there is that thing where like there's a lot of puppy litters going around right now too. And it's the, it's the time to get one. But pandemic puppies, which I'm yeah. I'm sure will be a thing. And I'm sure the SPCA will be out there saying like, yep, we have a lot more dogs to try to get adopted this summer because I think some families, I'm not, not centering anybody specifically. No one that I know, I'm just seeing like a lot of social media posts from people I don't know. And it's, it's just kind of strange to see just how many people are getting dogs. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the same thing. It's, it seems like it's almost possibly pandemic loneliness that they want some mm, sort of a companion around. So, yeah. Now I say that and, um, one of the reasons why I wish that I did live in a, in a building that allowed dogs is because it would have been, and really not just the pandemic, but the last, like, I'll say two years with podcasting, taking off streaming, doing very well. Like I've, I've had 
the financial security where I felt I could take care of a dog. Like I did, mm. I, I wouldn't feel like it would be an irresponsible decision. And I work from home full time before the pandemic, you know, so I would have been around for all of that kind of stuff. The attention there would have been would have been necessary. And for those that are, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm just blanketing everybody and saying, if you're getting a dog, you're being foolish. Not at all. If people Mm -hmm. are getting a dog, maybe it's a second family dog, or maybe you've done the research and you're getting a dog. What a perfect time to get one. Because I mean, in a lot of ways, in a lot of places, kids are even home from school, you know? So um, parents are working from home. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people around. It'd be a really good experience and probably a decent um, time to to bring a dog into a family. The only thing that I've seen, because I do follow a number of dog trainers out of curiosity on on social media, is that they're saying that, you know, you got to remember that this dog is going to grow up or get used to your household in a pandemic, which is not a normal life situation. So you're going to have to remember in six months or a year or a year and a half or whenever it's comfortable for everybody to go outside and be walking your dogs in your neighborhood and talking with people and having guests over this is all going to be new for your dog. There's going to be no training whatsoever as to how right. to handle someone at the front door or, or relatives coming over. And so I thought it was a really interesting point. You know, like we we all can think about the adjustments, but trying to train a dog to adjust to that is, is, is something else entirely, which I didn't think of until I was watching some social media videos from a couple of trainers, which I thought were really cool. Yeah. And the, the flip side of that almost, it's it's going to be hard to get or basically impossible to get them used to being home alone suddenly. Mm-hmm. for extended periods of the day because if everyone's yep. home people are do kids are doing school at home parents are working from home and then suddenly there's a day where everyone goes okay we've got to go puppy and mm-hmm. then like seven hours later people come home it's going to be a huge shock to yeah, yeah their yeah. system whereas i feel with cats it's very often my experience has always been like the cat's I imagine them, my cartoon brain, when all the humans go to work, the cats are just like, <laughs> finally. It's like living with a yeah. roommate that you don't particularly like, but they're okay. <laughs> you know, so you deal with it because you need the help with the rent. But like, it, you just, as soon as they leave for their job, you're just like, oh, thank God, eight hours. I don't yeah. have to worry about it. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, speaking of dogs, Squirrel, uh, the double O squirrel, to be precise, <laughs> who has written in. Uh, to the Citadel Cafe. If you'd like to do that, it's thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. The squirrel says, Hey, Joel and co-host, on TCC episode 398, Megan mentioned a game which she couldn't quite remember the name of, referred to it on the episode as Terraforming Mars. From her description, the gameplay, I believe, uh, is meant to be from Surviving Mars, which, incidentally, I got free off of Epic Games a few months ago and would recommend picking it up if it comes up free again. Also, congratulations on 400 episodes, which I think I've been here for at least 100 of. Have a great day to both you and your co-host. Happy nerding, the double O squirrel. Uh, squirrel, thank you so much for the email and thanks for the congratulations. I appreciate it. Uh, and I do remember that episode and I remember even looking up the name of the game on Steam and then confirming that it was Terraforming Mars. I was wrong. There is a game called Terraforming Mars, but that's not what Megan was talking about. You are correct. Surviving Mars is the city builder uh, game that Megan was referring to. So if people are interested in that particular game, that's also on Steam. Just look for Surviving Mars. It's a much more popular game. Terraforming Mars is more of like a hexagon puzzle game where Surviving Mars is more of like a city builder survival type situation. So uh, I would check those out on Steam if you have not. I'm a terrible friend. Why? <laughs> I don't think I congratulated you on reaching 400 episodes in the Citadel Cafe. Oh, I, so, I'm uh, sure you did. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, no, but the, uh, the double O squirrel, thank you for the reminder. And uh, in case I haven't, 
Congratulations on 400 <laughs> episodes, Joel. Now it's official. Now it's now it's on it's on radio now, right? Exactly. I know we talked about it, but it's just funny that I I don't know that I actually congratulated you on it going by. So well, in your defense, there has been a lot going on <laughs> in the last couple of days. Uh, next email we have two this week comes in from Grand Two Seven Seven. Dear Joel and co-host, ever since the first movies, Marvel has been working their way towards Endgame. And now that this is over, the new big bad will have to be faced, and I don't know who that is. With some of their most popular Avengers dead, how will they continue on with this universe, or will they try to start another? I guess we will have to see what happens next in the movies. Ordered by Grand277. Um, well, I have an answer for you. Just the other day, as a matter of fact, Marvel released a trailer with some hearty Stanley voiceover feels at the beginning uh, called Marvel Studios Celebrates the Movies. And uh, hold on to your nuggets because I've got a list for you. Starting this year on July 9th, Black Widow. Shang-Chi, September 3rd. Eternals, November 5th. Spider-Man No Way Home, December 17th. Moving into 2022, we have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness on March 25th, Thor Love and Thunder on May 6th, 2022, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, July 8th, 2022, The Marvels, November 11th, and Ant-Man and the Wasp coming in in February 17th, 2023, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 on May 5th, 2023, and some date in the future we don't know yet, The Fantastic Four. Uh, was, uh, I believe, already announced, but they kind of put it in this sizzle reel. It's a feel-good reel, by the way. You should really go check it out. It's It's got yeah, highlights it from the Avengers run and Endgame and um, fan reactions and stuff, and then it goes into trailer bits from uh, all of these. Have you seen this this clip, Stephen? I, I did, yeah. I got a notification on my phone just as I was heading to bed, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to stay up and watch this. And it was just, it was so good. One of the things I liked was the... Uh, like you were saying, the uh, the fan reactions to the big battle scene at the end of the movie, in in the end of Endgame, it was just great. It chills when they've got Captain America with Thor's hammer. It was just so cool. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, there's um, there's a number of clips that will just circulate on my YouTube uh, from time to time, or, or social media, uh, Instagram, that sort of thing. And it's just people that have filmed the reactions of either cat picking up Mjolnir for the first time or that scene where he says assemble at the end of end game. Uh, another one that's, that's highlighted is the, the fans reacting to all of the Avengers coming back from the snap when Hulk brings them back. And um, Sam Wilson comes in on, on the left through the portal and says on your left, like there's all these really cool iconic moments, but, and you've seen them, you know, a couple of times if you've watched the film, but um, to hear audience react to them is really, really mm -hmm. cool. You could see the excitement of, of everyone and this person filming. There was somebody like, not the person filming, but somebody like maybe half a row over was just losing their mind, like just <laughs> losing their mind. And it was, it's just, it's the kind of like authentic reaction that you just don't get to see all the time. Not to mention that in Canadian movie theaters, people are pretty quiet and polite. There's not a lot of shouting that happens in stuff. It's true. They'll clap. You know, or they'll laugh. If it's a funny moment, people laugh. But there's not a lot of cheering. Like, people don't, like, go, woo, when something cool happens. Because, like, there's, for me, growing up, it's always been, like, it's a movie screen. Like, the, the people on the movie screen can't hear you. 
you're only disturbing people next to you, right? And I, I'm not criticizing it. It's just it's one of those weird subculture things that I just have not experienced live in a movie theater before. Um, certainly had people clap and be excited afterwards, you know, uh, or before. I've gone to Star Wars screenings where there's this very quick whoop when a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away it comes up. But then everybody shuts up because they want to hear the music, <laughs> right? But there's this moment of like, yeah, oh, wait, it's starting. <laughs> like, it's just, it's a really weird kind of like crescendo and then like dial back. It's it's quite funny. I was actually, for the, for the first time ever, cheered in the theater when Captain America got the hammer for the first time. Nice. When it flew back, it was more, it, I just couldn't, it was one of those things, it was just a, uh, pure reaction to it because it was an exciting scene to begin with but then i honestly thought that thor was controlling mjolnir and made it hit thanos in the back so then when it actually flew away again and and cap caught it it was just yeah so good yeah i didn't um i didn't like i i didn't catch on right away uh it wasn't until it flew past thanos and thor that i knew it was going to steve but they show it mm. kind of like lifting off the ground slowly. And I thought like, that's weird. Like I, you know, I, I, you thought that you thought Thor was calling it back to him. Right. Exactly. But uh, yeah, no, they did, that, that was a really good reveal. I'm glad that that didn't leak out. You know, like it was one of those moments where like you got to experience it. I, I went to go see Endgame with Peyton at like an 11 PM screening. There was like four people in the entire theater. So screaming it, oh, nice. you know, and reacting was kind of like, it wouldn't have mattered, <laughs> you know, like that would have been completely different. Yeah. It would have been very weird. Yeah. So the whole thing was very quiet. Although there's definitely, I do remember like, because I was with somebody, because me and Peyton were there together, and he's a longtime Marvel comic fan, um, there was definitely some like quiet moments between us going like, yeah, you know, like just oh, <laughs> like the little chuckles where you can you can only hear it because you're sitting next to the guy, right? Like that kind of stuff was was really cool. Um, nice. Out of these films coming your way, like which anything that really kind of pique your interest or get you excited? Um, for me, I'm. I'm going to be excited to see Black Widow finally. I feel like that one's just a long time, like a long, a long, long time coming. Mm -hmm. Long overdue. So I think that'll be nice to, and I'm excited to be able to sit in the comfort of my home and watch that. I think we talked about that before. I think that's going to be a a, a nice experience to try. I'm, I'm really curious to see how that plays out for Disney to find out whether, you know, do they make enough money to go, oh, so we made that chunk of money, but didn't have to pay any of the overhead for going into a theater huh you know maybe it's they do two at the same like would they release it at home and the theater at the same time so um, I know you talked about it not being worth it for you financially yeah to I, pay for the prime version it depends on it depends on the film i guess right like black widow can't say i'm gonna play pay the premium 30 dollars or whatever they charge mm. to to watch it i mean i've had this conversation with um our friend alistair uh, and he raises a good point. Like, I mean, $30 is still cheaper than taking your family of four to the film in theaters. Yeah. Right. So, pandemic aside, like pretend that you can go comfortably. Uh, it's still one, you know, cheaper and two more comfortable to stay at home. And if you have a big enough TV, like you, you know, you're going to have a decent experience if you've got good sound and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, for me, as a sing like just for me as the only one that enjoys, you know, the, the movies, um, it's not really worth it for me. 
Yeah. But there are a couple in this list where I think like, well, that's an experience I might not want to miss out on. So um, Shang-Chi is definitely on my list. That actually looks really good. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. And I imagine you're extra looking forward to it because of uh, its link to Kim's Convenience. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'm struggling to remember his name right now, which is awful. Simu Liu, I think, is is how you pronounce it. I, the reason why I wanted to look it up because I didn't want to mispronounce his name. Right. Um, but he's it's funny, like he's he's different enough in this trailer where I know he's obviously got the chops to do it. And because um, in, in Kim's Convenience, he plays a little bit more of a of a doofy older brother. Like he's a good actor, but he's still the character he's playing leaves you with a funny kind of like, oh, weird. Okay, right. He's going to be a superhero. Like, but at the same time, <laughs> like, I mean, Chris Evans was also in some odd things before he was Captain America too, right? So, I mean, it just, it depends on the breadth of his acting, but I've seen enough interviews with him that I feel like he's got a good, a good balance going on. Um, yeah. I like his screen presence. I like the trailer. It, it looks really good to me. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious about Eternals too. I, I don't really know much about the Eternals. They seem like these kind of these long living beings like these super beings and like they've been watching over civilization for ages and ages but i i, I don't really know anything about it so i'm kind of ex this one i feel like i want to go into not knowing anything and just sort of learn about the characters from seeing the movie yeah the issues that, that come up with me in in phase four of marvel are i'm optimistically curious about eternals i'm curious about doctor strange and the multiverse of madness the problem with these films is that you get into forces that are just so out there yeah and, and so and you get with when you get beings and heroes or villains that are essentially gods it's really hard to deal with them but we do still have thor you know, granted he's off earth and, and Dr. Strange is a seriously powerful individual. So like there's yeah. a lot of heroes that have that kind of level as well, but I find that often those battles end up being like esoteric. Like it ends up being like, you know, thought in space is your climactic yeah. fight. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know if that's really kind of like as much as I appreciate the sci-fi and the fantasy and all that kind of stuff. I kind of want Captain America to just punch the bad guy sometimes, you know, and, and it, you can't do that when the, your bad guy is made out of light, you know, <laughs> yeah. or is the personification of a black hole or what, like whatever weird and wonderful thing they've come up with. Um, which one of the reasons why uh, to, to um, address grand two seven seven's point of like, you know, what, universe what heroes are they building up to i thought i would have thought that they would have started fantastic four like i would have thought that in phase four you would have been trying to get it into a fantastic four story and have in the same way that avengers age of ultron infinity war mm. endgame kind of peppered an anchor point throughout the um first and second phase or third phase i guess of of Marvel's cinematic releases and all these other offshoots still had a role to play, but there was these culmination moments in these big Avengers films. And I would have thought that's a fantastic four, given that you've got like Galactus and the silver surfer and like, and, um, uh, Dr. Doom, I think. Um, so yeah, like obviously I'm not a big fan of, of the comics. I haven't read them in a very long time, but it's one of those things where you think that would have been the anchor. 
but it doesn't look like it. it looks like maybe internals might be and the doctor strange might be the anchors of these of this fourth phase and then fantastic four might be kicking off the fifth i don't know they've really mm-hmm. not given much about fantastic four um, well, one thing i saw in the internet in the internets uh in shang chi um the the big bad in that has actually been uh interestingly in play for a long time in the marvel universe like the the ten rings um i didn't realize it but that was the the terrorist organization that held i'd have to go back and check this but um from what i recall it was the the um the terrorist organization that held tony stark captive at the beginning of the first iron man movie they also came back in iron man 3 it was uh with the the mandarin with like the icon of the ten rings again then apparently um in ant-man um when there were people in there bidding on the yellow jacket suit one of them had a ten rings tattoo on their neck so it's it's almost like it's been these bad guys have been peppered through the marvel movie verse like all this time and leading up to now so i'm kind of really curious to see like if is this big bad just going to be shang chi movie only or is it actually going to spill out to be something larger than that but i i would think any of these early films with the exception of black widow because it's a prequel um i think anything new starting with shang chi i would imagine it's probably going to bleed forward if they've learned anything they've learned that (laughs) weaving 20 movies together into one giant universe is worth it especially now that you have um you know television shows you've got series on disney plus with Mm -hmm. falcon and the winter soldier and um I don't, there's not meant to be another season of uh, WandaVision. I don't think WandaVision was meant to set up Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and, and give some more depth and closure to the characters for Vision and, and Wanda Maximoff. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know where it's going, but I mean, like they've proven themselves time and time again, like I'm along for the ride. Even mm-hmm. WandaVision, as weird as it was, I still enjoyed it uh, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which of course I spoke about last week on the show. So yeah, like it just, I'm, I'm definitely interested absent from this list through 2023, perhaps because it just doesn't have a release date is any future Captain America movies. So I don't know whether Sam Wilson is going to get a big screen. I'm hoping that he does. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that they go that route, but they could just that be that because of the pandemic and filming. They just, they just don't know. I mean, anything that's being released this year, the filming was long over, right? They've been in special yeah. effects, you know, realms and editing realms for for quite some time, I would imagine. Because um, I remember Eternals was announced, like, not this past Comic-Con, but like Comic-Con 2019, I think. Uh, I think cor- you're right. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, audience, but I'm pretty sure that's when that's been around. So that that was filmed and stuff. They keep these things so tight lid now that um which is good like i don't want spoilers and just like you i don't want to go read up on all the eternal stuff like i'd rather just experience that going forward you know i am excited for spider-man no way home just because of course i i really enjoy tom holland tom holland thank you um too many toms too many steves (laughs) too many um, (laughs) chris's um yeah tom holland is spider-man i really enjoy that series and they just the, the the thing they do now so well with things like um spider-man they just everything is just so seamless you never for a moment think that it's like cg you just realize that you just think spider-man you know um chloe Zhao is directing eternals 
and she just won an Oscar for best director and best film. Yeah. So like, I love the fact that you've got indie film directors like Taika Waititi, even though he's not my favorite, he still brings something to these superhero movies that they don't normally get. Uh, And then with Chloe Zhao um, coming in and directing Eternals, like that's, I mean, visually it's going to be stunning. I'd imagine would be my guess. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a ride. It's going to be a ride. Um, nice. I, I'm looking forward to Thor Love and Thunder as well. I mean, I like Natalie Portman. So yeah, it's going to be good. The only thing that I will say that is confusing to me is the theater release dates for these. I'm really surprised that they're not only being released on home video because you will not catch me in a theater probably before the end of the year. Agreed. Same. I may or may not pay the extra 30. I may just wait until it comes out on Disney+. Plus. But you will not find my butt in a theater before September. Like I would have at the earliest November 5th for Eternals. But that's, yeah. And even then, I can't predict that far ahead. Like it just, but right now, if you said July 9th, no way. No way. Even if people think it's fine, still not doing it. Um, So yeah, I do find that a little bit strange. I don't know whether it's, I don't want to say it's irresponsible, but I, I kind of wish that, they would put a good foot forward and say like, look, they're coming out, but they're just, it's not the right time to put them out in theaters. And I appreciate that Black Widow fans want like a theatrical release for that character. And I get it, but I just don't think it's, and I, it's unfortunate because I think that that movie is going to suffer in the theaters. The the numbers in the theaters are not going to go very well because of, you know, a lot of people are just not going to be feel, feeling comfortable going. I don't think. It's just too bad. I mean, she, she's, her character is so low long overdue for a movie like i said so it's just a shame that just as it was going to be released it got pulled and then delayed 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 to the point now where it's almost like this just a flicker of promotion and fanfare on as a as a streamed movie as opposed to what it should have had like even you know well before you know, this movie should have come out at the time that it's supposed to take place i think which is after after um civil war wasn't it i thought it was after winter soldier could be. I, I forget could be wrong. which one yeah. it's after, but it's in that it's in that realm. Yeah, yeah. Her character deserved her own movie in and around the time that it was supposed to come out, not like after her character died and then delayed by a year and then another year, kind of thing. Yeah, I think the whole thing is going to suffer from the fact that it's a prequel that we all know where the Black Widow ends up, and so any danger or threat to her life in that film is moot. Like it's so it's so it's the other characters that are going to bring that drama because you don't know them you don't know what happens to them, um, and I agree with you and I think I've mentioned that on the show before. Megan and I were talking about it and and I agree it sh- it should have come out back back then but at this point I don't know whether releasing it this late is a disservice or not. Like I you know mm. I mean it's made you want to put it out you've made an investment but I don't know if the timing is going to hurt it. I mean. The timing won't hurt it if it's fantastic, but unless True. it's unless it's a gem, I I don't think it's going to perform the way that people want it to, which is unfortunate. I I wish it wasn't that way, but I, I'm that's my prediction anyway. Well, speaking of all this Marvel stuff, we've got yet more to talk about in the main discussion <laughs> this week, and uh, I mine is going to be brief because I I don't have a lot to say about these because it's it there's they're older films and um they kind of just. They sit on their own. 
uh, I took a trip down mutant memory lane and uh, I did this thing that I saw people doing online and I went to my Disney plus account and I changed the parental restrictions because Disney recently put a lot more content on Disney plus, but not all of it is from Disney and some of it is uh, adult, you know, aimed entertainment. So it's not cartoons. And so to watch Deadpool or to watch Logan, you have to change your parental um, controls, um, which are default to, I think, like PG-13. Uh, and so hmm. I changed it right up to R-rated. And so Deadpool is there. Logan was there. All the X-Men movies were there. And so I watched Logan because I haven't seen it in a long time. And it's a really good film. Uh, and yeah. I've talked about it on the show before, so I won't get into it now. But it led me to go back and watch X-Men from 2000. X2 from 2003 and X-Men The Last Stand from 2006. Oh. Uh, I will say that uh, X-Men and X2 stand up. They're they're not bad. I mean, X-Men, it's got some cheesy effects and some lower budget stuff. Uh, we can thank The Matrix from 1999 for everybody being in black leather all the time, um, <laughs> which is, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I, so well, watch that watch that first is what you're saying yeah yeah well i i think too is that i'd rather that than have wolverine in a bright yellow blue spandex like i just yeah. you know that, that time that wouldn't fly with me either uh so i'm not really criticizing it so much uh the hair the hair's a bit much on wolverine by the time <laughs> by the time you're done the series you're like wow that's that's pushing it. It was much better in logan where it has it was subtle you know like it it, it had its it had its moments um but yeah, they 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 hold up. They the stories, the individual characters, the the weight that they put behind the issues in X Men. Um, X two leans heavy on the Wolverine backstory um, because you know Hugh Jackman and Wolverine was like a breakaway star from that X Men movie, mm -hmm. and and they leaned into that hard. And X Men and X Men two are directed by Brian Singer, so I think it was meant to be you know a three part. But Brian Singer didn't direct the last one, so. Um, and it shows because it's not very good. Uh, I haven't even finished it actually. I've been watching it in small sittings, but it's just, it's one of those things that you can just pause it and just walk away. Cause you really don't care. <laughs> um, the one thing I will say though, that, that has really shone its light has been the political discussion and the political themes that not just the movies, but the X-Men comics and story and stuff in general kind of deal with in terms of being different, being segregated, um, being treated differently, uh, especially with the character uh, Storm, played by Halle Berry in in uh, in all three films, but X two and 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 the Last Stand in particular, her character comes to uh, or goes through an arc of pity, sadness, anger, uh, hmm. and then balance. Like there's there's an arc to her character, and I thought fittingly played by you know a, a black woman uh to 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 get that um experience across and i don't remember catching it when i first saw these but i was also 20 years younger when <laughs> when i watched these um it's hard to believe it's been 20 years since the first x-men came out that's unbelievable right uh because i i remember seeing that in theaters and i remember loving it like i i was on board because i i mean i grew up watching the next generation you know with patrick stewart as xavier like i thought that was brilliant casting yeah. and all that kind of stuff um so secondary to the very strong themes which i think are poignant and important uh in in the films are 
things like the relationship between Magneto and Xavier and brilliantly played with Ian McKellen and, and Patrick Stewart. I mean, granted they kind of mishandled Xavier from a script per- perspective in the last stand. Uh, wasn't a fan of that, but I think some of that is like true to the comics and like, you kind of have to go that way. I don't know. Um, basically referring to things like the, the mental blocks that he put into Jean gray and trying to control her and all that kind of stuff. And it just felt out of character. And even the acting from Stuart, I felt was out of character for Xavier. And I don't know whether that was a choice by Stuart, whether it was a choice by the director or the script. I don't really know, but it just just didn't fit the character for me for what I remember from the other two films. Um, Mm. But I do really enjoy that relationship between Xavier and Magneto and how it's not always just, you know, Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader. It's not X-Men versus magneto and his his army it's sometimes they team up sometimes they don't it's it's always magneto versus the humans that don't like mutants that's always a constant but then x-men have to defend themselves against the humans that don't like them but then they have to help the humans that do like them and need help and there's this really interesting triangle kind of of Mm. of conflict that happens in the x-men series that i really enjoy and they do a really good job with subtle dialogue nods um, there's a, I just watched it just this afternoon. There's a bit in the last stand where I can't remember the character's name, fire charger or, or pyro or something. He controls fire and the character's a bit of a hothead. Surprise, surprise, you know, insert, <laughs> insert early 2000 trope here. Um, but he's talking to Magneto saying like, you know, you just, you let her kill Xavier. Like I never got the chance to kill him for you. And Eric got really defensive. Magneto was just like, you you know, um, Charles Xavier has done more for mutants and mutant kind than you have in your little finger slash before you were born or something along those lines. And my biggest regret is that he had to die to see our cause through. So, I mean, you can still see that, that Eric is upset about the loss of Xavier, even though Xavier was very often standing in his way in what he felt right. was the right way to go about it. So I, I just, again, there are deeper moments from the last stand, but it suffers from really, really gross, like even like unfinished sequences, horrible cuts, plot holes. Um, and to our concern earlier about like the Eternals and like what these crazy, like long, uh, you know, uh, immortal God-like characters might, you know, bring to the Marvel universe. Um, Phoenix and and Jean Grey, she's just so powerful in the last stand that like the only reason anybody is alive is because she's decided not to kill them. Like it's just, it's it's just on a whim. Like there's just there's I don't know how you how they stop her. I don't remember. I I believe it's Wolverine that kills her. I don't remember. Yeah, but, it was. But it's just one of those things where like even if that's the case, there's just no way. Like I just, like it it just it's so it's too powerful. Like you just, there's not enough of a down to earth conflict uh, because like you're dealing with a, a a potential threat that can disintegrate you into atoms by thinking about you. Well, shit. (laughs) What do you, what do you do? (laughs) Right? Like, okay. Um, You're just, you're all alive because she's decided to let you like, I just, that kind of thing. I I find it weak writing. And then you kind of wonder like, you know, the acting from, from, um, from Jean Grey is not the best. So you're just like, I'd like, to, but she's in this box of like this kind of eternal 
you know, godlike creature, like what, what are you going to do? You know, yeah. um, Famke Jansen is the name of the actor. I couldn't remember for a second. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things where she was good in the first two, but then once she turns into the Phoenix in the third one, you're like, Oh, woof, this is, this is hard. It's rough around the edges. And, um, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Hemlock Grove. Did you ever watch that TV series? I did. I saw season one and season two. There was only two I or think. three seasons. Yeah, I think um, that the third season I didn't watch. Thank you for the reminder, though. I meant to go back and just... Yeah. So for the, the reason, sake of completion, I wanted to yeah, watch, watch it through. I bring that up because she plays Olivia Godfrey in, in that. And that was, I think, X-Men Last Stand was my kind of like introduction into... Um, into Famke Jansen playing like a really believable psychopath. And, mm. and I, I, it carried over, like it, it helped her, her being cast as the Phoenix in last stand really kind of helped me buy the performance in Hemlock Grove because she's just like evil, but like graceful evil in that show. And yeah. so it's, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting to see kind of like the early, you know, machinations of that. But anyway, I don't necessarily recommend X-Men Last Stand, but I did enjoy going back and watching X-Men and X2. And I have seen, but in more recent years, the other, you know, first class and the other cast with uh, Jennifer Lawrence and, and stuff. And I will go back and watch those. But um, so far, I'm having a good time with it. And they're all on Disney+. Plus, So nice. easy, right? Uh, although I have to say, like some of the older films, some of the scans are gross. Like, in the dancing ants in in uh, X Men Last Stand, it's rough. <laughs> you can see the film grain on a four K four K TV. Something fierce. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's it for me. What what have you been? Uh, We've been watching. Well, as a family, we started watching Inhumans. It's a a, a Marvel show that was I forget which network it was on, but it's from two thousand seventeen, um, and. I was a little on the fence about it because it only has like five out of 10 rating on IMDb. And like, I know you can't always go by the ratings um, on these different sites, but um, it was, it's a little bit lower than we usually consider watching, but I, I mainly wanted to watch it as a bit of a backstory to Ms. Marvel that's coming out this summer because they're very relevant to the storyline. Um, and I remember Medusa, the queen of the Inhumans was in the, the graphic novel as well. It's been a while since I've read it. So I may go back and do that as well but i just really wanted to hope to learn a bit a more a bit more about her from the show um but she was basically crippled her powers were crippled in the first episode and stayed that way for the rest of the the season and then there was only one season so you don't really get to see a whole lot of what she can do which is a bit of a drag so uh yeah it was overall i enjoyed it after the first two episodes i can easily see why it was given a five out of ten rating because it was just oh you know, stiff acting, poor dialogue, just and, and even my sons would just say, "Why are they doing that in slow motion? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add to it." And then it was like right after episode two, it's like they realized, "Hey, we don't need that effect." And they allowed characters to walk and talk at the same time, which it felt very. This is your place on stage. Deliver your line from here, then go to the next place. Deliver your line from there. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't the most amazing show ever, but in, in the end, it was just. Uh, you know, episodes three through eight were, were a lot more enjoyable, and uh, if if it had it kept going, I probably I would have continued watching it. It was I enjoyed it more than the latter seasons of Supergirl, which I watched 
Well, I eventually stopped watching that, but I mean, I, I watched through even though I was not enjoying it, so it's good. They didn't really get into the origin of the Inhumans, which I thought was odd. Like, I, I felt like they might have touched on that in a season one of a show. But like anything I know about them and how they were, how they come to be was from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because one of the main characters on that from the get-go is uh, Sky slash Daisy Johnson slash um, Quake, played by Chloe Bennett. And so, like, how she became inhuman on that show and others became inhuman, it's it's all explained there. And, it's, it, like, you find out that they're, you know, the Kree came to Earth hundreds or, I forget, maybe thousands of years ago and, you know, did genetic experiments on humans with the intent of them becoming basically like sleeper soldiers so that if they ever needed to come back and activate them, they would have this race of beings or like this this army of beings that would be ultra powerful and could come and support them um but then they were they they later abandoned that project realizing it wasn't wasn't um ethical which seemed weird after coming and doing genetic experimentation on a planet and then going yeah maybe we shouldn't but at least i learned about it and uh it was just so weird that they didn't even they barely touched on that in in the inhumans show um yeah, I was hoping to get a bit more backstory. I mean, I got some information, but not as much as I had hoped. I remember seeing some people that I follow online that are into comics and into like web comics and stuff being really excited about Inhumans and then being really let down because they were super into the comics and they thought, oh, like this is going to be the start of something big. And it just kind of fell, fell flat yeah. on its face. Uh, I went looking for Miss Marvel coming out this year and I realized that uh, it wasn't in that list. We just went over it, but uh, it's not a movie. It's a TV series. Right. And that's actually interesting because it's this is a bit of a side note, but I assumed after watching um, WandaVision that all of these shows from Disney Plus are going to be one-offs. But I don't know that that's the case because if you look at IMDb, and I realize that is not the Bible of all things, but it, it goes, you know, some shows are listed as TV miniseries and other ones are listed as TV series. So, so some shows like uh, WandaVision... Uh, I think Hawkeye and a couple other ones are listed as TV miniseries, but um, Ms. Marvel is listed as a TV series and and I believe She-Hulk is as well. So there's, there's, there's a couple of these shows that may basically these characters get introduced, you get their backstory, and then they get introduced into one of the MCU movies. Like that's happening with Ms. Marvel. She's going to get her TV show, like a, a six episode arc. And then she is in the next Captain Marvel movie. Which they renamed to the Marvels. Previously, I believe it was referred to as Captain Marvel 2, but now it's called the Marvels for November 11th, 2022. Right. I forgot they did change that. Well, because you've got, um, what's her face from WandaVision there? Rambo. Monica Rambo? Monica Rambo, yeah. Yeah. So I think she's part of that too. So it, it, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Monica Rambo shows up in Ms. Marvel, actually. You know, oh, start... I, I would be, I would be genuinely disappointed if they didn't, because they just, she was such, and not that the show was, you know, I'm not saying the show was dirt, but she was such like a, a gem of a character in that, and to see her grow and then get these powers at the end, and to not have that explained somewhere else would just be disappointing, unless they plan to give her her own show, but that doesn't seem to be listed anywhere mm. in the next three years, so. Um, She-Hulk was one that you mentioned. Moon Knight is the other series that's right. coming to disney plus and then the other one the one that's coming out this summer 
that we haven't even talked about is uh, Loki. That's yeah. that's got a new trailer. It's is it's that basically July just 9th? it's uh, uh yeah July June 9th. June June ninth. It's Wednesdays because the tagline was Wednesdays are the new Fridays because Friday was Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, <laughs> and um it's just it's a sixty second clip of Tom Hiddleston being Tom Hiddleston just saying like look Loki's really cool you should you should come watch Loki Wednesdays are the new Fridays like it just it's pretty earnest actually um, <laughs> and then the, check that out yeah the other trailers that I've seen uh, I haven't watched the trailers because it's an animated show or it looks like it's mostly going to be animated. And I don't want the sizzle reel in the trailer to ruin really cool moments in the show for me. But the what if mm. series coming oh, yeah. looks really cool. The The imagery that I see a, a lot online is um, instead of Steve Rogers, it's uh, Peggy Carter that becomes Captain uh, America. And it's not Captain America, it's Captain Britain, I guess. Um, yeah. she's, it's, it's, she's got the, the British flag uh, going on. And uh, that looks really cool as an animated thing which I thought was a neat way to go. Uh, looks beautiful uh, in terms of the way that they handle it. So I'm curious about that kind of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another clip where I believe for Guardians of the Galaxy, instead of Quill or Quinn being picked up, I forget what his name is, but um, a child from Wakanda gets picked up um, and taken to the stars. Oh, yeah. And then there's another yeah. clip where they show Captain America as a zombie and another clip where, like, it's just, like, it's it's really what if and then what's this wild idea from the left field? Let's just, let's just grab onto that and see what it might be as a story. So I'm pretty excited for that one as well. Yeah. There's some stuff with Dr. Strange going there too. So there's probably going to be little hints and stuff at what might be coming in multiverse of, of madness. And I guess other than the Inhumans, I finished watching Invincible. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't finished that yet. Um, what did you think of the series? Cause you and I've been talking about it like in between shows and I talked about it with Lou last time, I think. So what like, what have you thought about it so far? I think overall impression, I'm enjoying it. But it's not without its problems. Like, I was I was instantly curious about it when I saw it promoted on Prime because I've just you know, been on this superhero kick lately. It almost feels like I didn't read comics when I was a kid, but so I'm now, <laughs> for some reason, just every time one series is done. Like, there's a new one coming out. What is it called? Legacy of Jupiter or Jupiter... I forget. There, there is another superhero show coming out soon on Netflix, I believe. I have to figure out what that one's, find out what that one's called again. But I'm probably going to go watch that one because it starts either this week or next week. But e- either way, I was just, uh, I really wanted to check out Invincible. And then when I found out it was, you know, I think it was quote unquote based on the beloved comic book. I thought, all right, well, it's got a good audience backing and they're doing this. It should be pretty good. But, you know, I went back and uh, read through the show notes. Um, from the last time that you talked about this and uh i think you and i we we shared some same some of the same concerns like my my initial reaction was like holy smokes this is violent is the comic book really this way and and then as you mentioned like the animation felt pretty subpar for the the hollywood names that were attached to the project um and and actually the first thing that struck me was like these two security guards in the show just like talking and talking and talking like the only reason i could expect that they would do this as like a direct homage to the show but it's not even there like those characters aren't even in the comic book and so the pacing of the show is so choppy at times but the comic book's pacing is so good like i i went i actually felt like i questioned (laughs) 
like the things that bug me about the tv show i sort of question them so much i'm like i gotta see if the book's like this like why would they make this a show if the comic book feels this would be equally choppy or equally jumbled feeling um but yeah i <laughs> i don't know what it is with me binging lately i binged all of shield for our last time and i, I binged all 25 volumes of invincible because they're available as ebooks through the library and they've got unlimited copies so it was just like easy to flip through and when when it was exciting you're just and you're just reading it on an ipad so it's it's a great size as well just flip through and go oh my goodness oh my goodness and you keep going and when it's done would you like like to return it to the library yes please go check out the next one out yes please and it was just it was easy to, to devour the entire series and it was uh there was a lot of differences and uh, i guess for me the comic book is just it's infinitely better i mean one of the things that i like the best about it is like nolan grayson uh mark's father who's like you know the superhero omni man in the tv omni -Man, show yep yeah in, in the tv show episode one he goes and he murders the guardians of the globe and then he's in a battle there and he gets injured and he's just he's laying there and they find him there and in the comic book they just establish him as omni man he's you know basically painted as a decent caring father who happens to also be the most powerful person on the planet um he doesn't punch Mark in the chest as part of a, I need to teach you how to be strong training thing. Like I thought that was a total jerk move. Like, really? Did he punch him? Never happens in the comic books. So I was just such, you know, comparing the two, why would you put that in the show? There is nothing about that, that like right away, Omni-Man is somebody that you hate almost like midway through episode one or like near the end of episode one, I forget, but, and then he does things like keep his bloody clothes from that murder scene and just leaves them lying around the house yeah. so that his wife finds them and suspects him like crazy like he could have flown to the sun <laughs> flown <laughs> over a volcano yeah the sun or just flown over a volcano just dropped it and just incinerated everything and like but that doesn't even happen in the book like it's i think it was at the end of or the comics i think it was happened at the end of volume two he murdered it murdered uh, the guardians of the globe and it was just because similar to the comic books um now that mark has his powers or similar to the tv shows so now that mark has his powers things need to fast forward because he's not actually a good person taking care of the earth for for hero heroism's sake he's actually a viltrumite and the viltrumite people conquer places and so mm. basically he was supposed to be getting earth ready to be taken over by the viltrum the viltrumites when they show up and so because mark got his powers is like okay plans have suddenly fast forwarded we really need to get a push on this so that's when he he needed to get rid of the most powerful protectors of the earth that was the guardians of the globe and he did that without getting injured at all and mm. nobody nobody knew it was him so and, and nobody knew it was him or suspected it was him until he and mark had that or you haven't seen the whole thing yet so i don't really want to spoil well i don't you. really care i mean i like I, I i don't know if i've mentioned this on the show or just to you privately but like i only really watch it when i'm in the mood for it mm. and when there's nothing else on like i'm going back and watching movies from like 2006 that suck before i'm watching <laughs> invincible the final Fair enough. show right so i'm not worried about about spoilers i mean heads up folks if you're listening and you haven't watched it yet but i mean it's been on amazon prime for a week so if you're that into it yeah. you've probably seen it but just you know 
if you, if you are not there yet, then like you might want to tune out for the next little bit. But yeah, like go go ahead. Like I mean, I'm, I I I would imagine like when you say that the Viltrumites are coming to take over, color me shocked. This is my shocked face. Like I saw it coming a mile away. Like the, the writing in the television show is not good. Um, Lou pointed out that he sees a lot of tropes and repetition in Kirkman, Kirkman's, you know, stories and themes mm. and, and writing. And the show is no different. You know, like I know it's got different writers from episode to episode sometimes, but like I, I don't find it. I don't find it wholly surprising on many fronts outside of the, oh, it's really this violent. Okay. I wasn't expecting that guy to die on a spike like that. Woof. Okay. Yeah. Like, does that kind of stuff is shocking, but it's not surprising. Um, the only thing that's kept me through the entire show has been the fact that Mark Grayson reacts to most things the way that I would. He seems to be the moral compass. And yeah. so when someone dies a bloody death, he's like, he gets shell shocked. Like he's got PTSD, you know, like he just, it really affects him. Uh, and he's trying yeah. to be good. He's trying to do good by the people in his life. And he's trying to have a girlfriend and finish high school and be a superhero. Like it is, it's, he's honest about it, but all of that, it's just Spider-Man in a yellow suit. Like it's not original <laughs> at all. Like it just, I've, we've seen it all before. And uh, that's why I don't really give it a lot of, a lot of weight. Um, yeah, I like Stephen Ewan as an as an actor. He's uh, I believe he was in, he was in The Walking Dead originally. I think. Yep. Which now that I realize yep. it is an interesting tie back to this because it's comics by the same person who did The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. But he also did. Uh, he played, I think, the voice of Keith in the Voltron series, and he was also Steve. Is it Palachek? Palachek, yes, from <laughs> from Troll Hunters. Troll Hunters, yeah. He's excellent as that voice. I think he's quite a good voice actor so um yeah i was happy to see him in this oh when i saw he was in troll hunters as palchek i was just like wait what <laughs> like <laughs> like i would have seen him as uh the main guy before i would have thought that he would have been yeah palchek right like just because he's got that earnest kind of like you know middle america kind of feel to him in most of his stuff but yeah palchek was just like wow okay that's <laughs> that's some that's some range steve yeah <laughs> Well done. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to continue watching the show because I've overall enjoyed it enough. And actually, I'll probably keep watching it, <laughs> funnily, funnily enough, because I enjoy the comic book so much, I'll probably tune in and continue watching this for as long as I have because it's, you know, it is 25 volumes of graphic novels, but it, they do complete the entire story. And it is not, it's not a neat and tidy story. But it completes. Like, I don't know how to say it without giving too, too much away. Right, yeah. It's, it's not like the show got canceled. Like, it's not like the comic book was in the middle of an arc and it just got pulled off the shelf. Like, the, no, they, they uh, finished the book. Yeah. Yeah. And they had some things, like, basically characters that they've woven through tend to keep coming back. So there is that, as you call it, the uh, the Monster of the Week feel to it sometimes. But they, they, they literally say that. Like, at one point, he's like, I don't know some of these bigger challenges I really enjoy because some weeks it just or some days it just feels like I'm dealing with the monster of the week kind of thing and so it's it's almost it's it's clever and it's you know the way it's self-referential sometimes yeah either way I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh curious to see what the rest of this brings on it but it sounds like the comic is a way to go like if you're yeah if you're enjoying the tv show a bit but it's not really something you're champing at the bit to, to check out every time it comes out then maybe the comic might be a better way to go yeah, and it is it is as violent, but it doesn't start off that way. It like slowly gets into it, and like even even the um, when Omni Man murders the Guardians of the Globe, it is 
you know, basically one page sort of still after still of each one of them dying. It's not like, it's almost like they took their time to deliberately make it extra gory with all of their deaths in the TV show where it it is gory, but within one page, it's all taken care of and then it moves on. But mm-hmm. much later on, it, it's like it doubles down, triples down on the, so you have to have the stomach for that kind of thing. And yeah. it's not my favorite thing, but after a while, you just kind of go, okay, this is in this comic. It's the way it yeah, is. Yeah, it's the way it is. I can deal. Yeah, I, the, the th- stuff like that I just find is just like, it's just shock value. It, it's just like, you've given frat boys the keys to the animation studio. What are they going to do? Oh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Like, it just, you know, all the stuff that they weren't allowed to do when they were in high school. Like, it just, that kind of stuff I find pretty predictable. And just, I roll my eyes at it. There's just so many better ways to to do it. At the same time, though, I always find it, odd that they whenever there's these fight scenes and stuff like that in regular shows between superheroes and things happening it's like you you never it's always like pg related pg-13 injuries when the reality of how this goes down in this show as violent as it is you know that's what it would look like If, if a superhero chopped at a person their body would be split into two no problem and it would be messy you know, it, you wouldn't show it in a PG-13 show. You'd find ways around it. But I find a lot of the times like, people get injured or they'll get kicked across the room and hit a wall and they'll get up and keep going or they'll get stabbed and they'll keep going. Like I have days when I like I bang my knee on the corner of a desk when I'm going by and holy smokes, I can barely walk for a day and a half. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like yeah. TV shows injuries are not realistic. Not so realistic, then when, yeah. when things like this happen, yeah, it's gory and it's not my thing, but I think there's part of me that goes, that's probably what it would be like. And the thing is, though, like, if you're that powerful, then you're going to be able to, to kill people in the same way that a, a, a trained military person would kill somebody by snapping a neck. Yeah. And I find like the the violence that they do in Invincible, it's just it's like they're running out of ways to kill people. So like how do it's it's it reminds me of like Mortal Kombat where you have to come up with like a different <laughs> fatality for every character. And the more that you one up yourself, then the more that the fans drool and want more. And and I feel like a really good parallel to this in how it's done well and it's still just as violent is Logan, which I mentioned earlier. Like mm. not only is Wolverine killing people and chopping off limbs and he's drunk most of the time, is is uh, X-23, Laura, she's eight and she's decapitating people. <laughs> like it's, yeah. they, they, I mean, they show a little bit of it, but a lot of it is, it's just that it's just stabbing. Like it's just, just a lot of stabbing and a lot of screaming. Uh, and, and it, it has that visceral kind of like cringy in your chair. Oh my God. I think she just cut that guy's femur off. Like it's just, it's really, it gets you, but they don't show every graphic detail of it. I think there's, an art to having violence in film. It's why I don't like Tarantino movies. A lot of the time mm. they remind me of this. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's sensationalist. Yeah, it's sensationalist. I guess is the best way to say it. It's not quite the word, but yeah, it's, it's gore for gore's sake. It doesn't do yeah. any justice where they're like, I feel like with, with Logan and X 23 and Laura, like I feel like her violence kind of speaks to her captivity and, and lashing out and all this kind of stuff. Not to mention that the actor just did a fantastic job of just screaming at the top of her lungs. <laughs> like, and just, yeah. and not like little girl screams. We're talking like belly screams. Like it's like, Rah! you know, it's real. It's, it's guttural. It's, it's really quite astonishing. And it, cause at the point where I'm just like, my gosh, I hope that this 
like actor wasn't traumatized from making the yeah, film, <laughs> you know, because I mean, I'm sure she's probably a little older playing a little younger. Like that's usually the case with most uh, kid actors, but like, Oh, I don't know. I still felt really kind of awkward in some places watching that. Well, we can move on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. You can join the member only discord and get access to bonus audio and other things on the page. If you would like to be 23, that puts us one more ahead because right now we're at 22, which is steady on from last week. Uh, I always try to add one more patron uh, during the month. So, hey, May is here and it's fresh. If you'd like to be 23, check out patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. I was too busy this week. I don't have an internet minute. Uh, although somewhere is buried deep in Star Wars Lego, there's probably something. Uh, Steven, what's your pick this week? Uh, mine might be a little bit unsurprising, but it's uh, actually an ebook app called Libby. And it's basically... Um an app that that connects to your library account and that's that's like what i use to read the entirety of the invincible series and it's it's i really like the interface it's you you sign in with your your library card number and your library password and then you're in there and you can get to see everything that the library has available and you just go through and just tap on it you can reserve it if it's um out or you can just check out the books there and then you've got a shelf it's, it's sort of like on some level like any ebook app like Kobo or or Kindle or something like that but I just it's a very I don't know if it's done that way to appeal to kids but it's a very kind of it's a very nice to use interface I'm not sure but the better way to say it is it's easy and it's very pleasant and so uh yeah thoroughly enjoyed the experience using that app and recommend it it's free it connects to your library go get it I know what you're saying about having an interface that's easy to use but then feels like it's a Playmobil app but yeah. when I've got a small phone and big fingers. So when something is kind of like a big bubbly app that has like two buttons and it does what it's supposed to do, I really enjoy the experience <laughs> because I get really tired of like tapping on text links on web pages and going to the wrong thing because there's two links that are so close together that my finger is too fat to discern between one and the other. Uh, I much prefer the experience of like press here to start, press here to stop. <laughs> Sweet. <Yeah. laughs> like I just, you know, even like, my podcasting app the play button is really small at the bottom it drives me crazy they devote the entire screen to the show art from the podcast which granted i know i make title card art every week for the Citadel cafe and the sponge chunks but like i don't look at the title card art for any of the shows that i listen to i push i push play on the iphone and then i go do the dishes you know or or i have my headphones <laughs> in and i'm walking down the street i'm not looking at the phone if i go to pause it i want a really big play and pause button in the middle of my phone <laughs> like i just you know i want to be able to hit it with my elbow you know when my hands are wet yeah and uh there's something to be said for a really good de designed app you know well which podcast app do you use uh downcast is my current downcast. favorite yeah uh, and a lot of it is just like I haven't explored others because I'm kind of in bed with Downcast. It's it's been something I've been using for a while. I can't remember who recommended it to me. It might have been might have been another podcaster. It might have been like Tom Merritt or or Scott Johnson or somebody. But uh, it's not free, so it doesn't come up on people's lists a lot because people don't tend oh, to want yeah. to pay for that kind of stuff. I mean, it's two ninety nine that I bought once, like probably five or six years ago. Um, but what I like about it is because is it allows you to control the number of shows that you keep on the phone uh, and it will constantly rotate. So like I listen to the daily tech news show 
and uh, <laughs> that's a daily show, Monday to Friday. If I don't listen to it for two weeks, I don't want 10 episodes on my phone, right? So I say, yeah. keep the most recent five. And after that, delete the oldest and download the newest, right? Because it's, it's a news show. I don't need to listen to them in sequence. I can just catch up. You know, like I can just right. listen to the new ones first. And then go back and maybe, you know, cherry pick my favorites from like, oh, that sounded like a good story. I might want to listen to more about that Google thing or that Apple thing or whatever. And um, I, I like that it allows me to do that. Uh, also, it's easy to search for and also easy to manually put in um, podcasts. I, I really enjoy uh, podcatcher apps that allow me to put in RSS feeds directly because I, I support a couple of podcasts on Patreon. And so by subscribing to the RSS right. feed on Patreon, I get like special behind the scenes. I get special episodes and they just download automatically to my phone without having to worry about it right so that that's nice too um but uh, i'll send you a link if if you if you're i, I just yeah. looked it up on my phone um it might have been maccast recommended it to you because his oh, podcast okay. is actually the one that's being used in as a sample in the interface <laughs> sample nice. artwork like that's i just amazing. opened it up and it's maccast that's hilarious <laughs> That's great. Good Too on you, funny. Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and, you might want to check out this app. <laughs> yeah, MacCast has been around for a while as far as podcasts go, too. I think that might have been one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Stephen and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod, and you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. Something I didn't mention in my X-Men talk, and I meant to, is that uh, I'm looking for uh, X-Men comics to read. Uh, I did not read them growing up. I missed the cartoons growing up. If you're listening to the show and you're a big X-Men fan, where do I start? Thecitadelcafe at gmail.com. Find the show by name on Twitter. You can also subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, basically wherever you can find a podcast. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to support the show. It's easy. It's free. Tell a friend, tell a family member about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can listen to my other podcast, All About Minecraft, at thespawnchunks.com. And you can follow me on social media at Joel Duggan. And today I will point you towards twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where there's a brand new VOD out from this afternoon, where I was playing the latest snapshot in Minecraft and died a lot. Oh, no. I will let you go figure out how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> the VOD's available on the Twitch page. Stephen, where have you been hanging your hat online these days? Um, most places. I'm, I'm Stephen ESC all over the interwebs, but uh, hang, hanging out mostly on Twitch as well. So twitch.tv slash Stephen ESC, where um, I'll be introducing Minecraft bingo in the near future. So come check out the fun. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap. But you can only pick two. 